You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, if this is your first week here, I want you to know that last Sunday we completed a series of teachings about prayer called 21 Days of Prayer. And during that series, we were trying to learn how to pray through to breakthrough. You know, breakthrough to an answer, uh, a breakthrough to peace about some issue in our lives. And we added to that teaching on prayer some fasting. So many of us in the church were fasting from different things to add some intensity to our prayers. And every year, that series does me a lot of good in my personal prayer life. Um, But I got to admit to you today that um, even though throughout the years, I've had a lot of miraculous answers to prayer, uh, the thing that was dearest to my heart that I was praying for during the series that I stuck on the front of the stage was not answered during the 21 days of prayer. And I would tell you exactly what that prayer request was if it just involved me, but um, it is really a prayer for other people, and I don't have permission to tell you uh, what's going on in their lives. Um, But I found myself at the end of the 21 days a little bit discouraged because I didn't just pray about it during 21 days of prayer this year, but I was also praying for that particular issue last year. So it's been over a year that I've been praying for this. And I don't know if I'm the only one in that situation, but are any of you dealing with some type of request that you've been asking God about for a long period of time. And I picture prayers as kind of like knocking on doors. It's kind of like when you're between jobs and someone tells you, you have to go out and knock on some what? Doors, right? You got to go knock on some doors. And when I think about doors, I think about these famous doors in movies, right? So the door to Jurassic Park. Once you go through that door, you're going to have an adventure. You may get eaten in the midst of it, but you're going to have an adventure. And this next door is of uh, the Lord of the Rings, you know, the round hobbit doors. This is really the ideal door that I want for my house someday. If you're driving down a street someday, see a round door on a dude's house, uh, it's, it's because I finally lived out the dream. But Bilbo Baggins knew that if he went out this door, that he was going to experience an adventure. Now, the next door is the TARDIS door from Doctor Who. Now, if you get in this door, you could end up in another time of history, on another planet, anywhere in the universe. But the last door is my favorite one, and that is the wardrobe door from C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. And some of you remember that, read the books or saw the movie. When Lucy goes through that door, she's going to experience a whole new realm, the world of Narnia. And there are certain doors that you and I go through in our lives that change everything, right? So I want you to think about some of the doors that you've gone through. For some of you, the first time that you walked through the door of this church, it changed everything in your life. For others of you, it's the first time that you walked in the door of that finance company to purchase your new home, and then that would lead you through the door of your first house that you ever purchase. Some in our midst have actually done some time in prison, and you'll never forget the day that you walked through that door and it closed behind you for an extended period of time. Or perhaps those of you that are parents remember the first day of school when you dropped off your child at kindergarten for the very first time, and he or she was wearing that backpack that was almost as big as your kid was, and they're walking into the school there, and you watched them go through that door 
and it led to a whole new level of freedom in your life, didn't it, parents, you know? <laughs> and there it's cool. Uh, but we think about different doors. And you know, Jesus had a whole lot to say about doors and gates and entrances. And we're going to explore that today in a teaching on prayer uh, that I like to call when 21 days is not enough. So look with me at Luke chapter 11, verses 5 through 8. It says, then teaching them more about prayer, he, Jesus, used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived from a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed, and I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you what you need because of your aimless persistence. And so in a Jewish household in which this was written, you can imagine that they were a hospitality culture. And so when someone came in from out of town, you always have to feed them. You always have to give them some food. And so one guy had a, a friend from out of town come, and he didn't have any bread to give his out-of-town guests. And it's embarrassing to him. So what dude does is he goes next door, and he knocks on his neighbor's door. Well, he's already put the kids to bed. And you know what kind of drama it creates when the kids wake up. Someone rings the doorbell at night, and the kids get up, and they're, you know, they're screaming. And it's like, it took all this time to just get them to settle down, to get them to chill and now they're waking up and then your neighbor, he won't quit. He keeps knocking. He's like, dude, I don't care if the kids are in bed. I don't care what's going on. I don't care if you're watching Netflix. Dude, you better get up because I need some bread to feed to my out-of-town guests. And even though he won't just come for the friendship of it, he's going to come because of your shameless persistence and you keep knocking. Now, I'm fascinated by Jewish culture because even today in Israel, uh, Israel is... Uh, I guess the most successful entrepreneurial and innovative country in the world right now, according to the guys who wrote Startup Nation, Israel has the highest per capita density of startups in the world and has more companies listed on the NASDAQ than all the countries of Europe combined. Uh, in 2008, per capita venture capital investments in Israel were two and a half times greater than those in the United States. 30 times greater than Europe, 80 times greater than China, 350 times greater than India. So what are some of the secrets to Israel's success? Well, they say it's threefold. Um, it is their attitude. It is their relationships. Their family and relationships support them in starting up businesses. And then third is their view of failure. Uh, they believe that failure is just a way to learn and grow. They don't uh, shame you if you failed, but let's go back to the attitude. What is the attitude that makes uh, Israel as a country so successful in starting up business? Well, it's summed up in one Yiddish word. It's the word chutzpah. And chutzpah means nerve, boldness, guts, and even stubbornness. And this is the attitude that you and I have to have in our prayers to God if we're going to see the breakthroughs that we're looking for. So with this in mind, this word chutzpah in mind, I want to reread a verse from Luke, Luke 11, 8, that we just read, except this time we're going to read it in the complete Jewish version of the Bible. Um, it says, but I tell you, even if he won't get up because the man is his friend, yet because of the man's what? Chutzpah. He will get up 
and give him as much as he needs. And so what I wanna encourage you in today, and I'm really, I'm encouraging myself in this today as well. I need this message for my life and my prayer life today, is I wanna encourage you to pray with chutzpah. And you know that that's too good of a word for me not to have you say it out loud with me, you know? But when you say it, I need to give you some instruction because if you're not spraying it, you're not saying it, okay? <laughs> and you have to say it with the guttural part in there, that <laughs> like you're coughing up a loogie. You know, and so I want you to turn to your neighbor here in just a second. When I say pray with and point to you, even in the video cafe, even if you're worshiping at home online, I want you to say chutzpah. You ready? Okay, turn to your neighbor and tell him pray with chutzpah. <laughs> you didn't know you were going to need a face shield for church today, did you? <laughs> but we want to pray with chutzpah. And you see this chutzpah continuing in Luke 11. Look at verse 9. He says, and I tell you, keep on asking and you'll be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. You see a progression of aggression in prayer here. Because at first, you're just asking, please, please. Then you go looking and then you go to the door and you're not taking no for an answer and you're knocking on the door. That's prayer with chutzpah. It's aggressive. And I read a story about a good chutzpah prayer in a book some years ago by John Ortberg. It's called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Got to Get Out of the Boat. And in this story, um, he details the, the story of a guy named Bob. And Bob was a, a fairly new Christian believer and he was being discipled by a guy named Doug, which no relation, uh, but a great name nonetheless. Anyways, uh, Doug is trying to teach Bob about prayer. And Bob had been reading one of those passages in the Bible that talks about how you can ask God for stuff and he'll do it. And uh, Bob's asking Doug, hey, is that true? I mean, does it really work? And Bob says, well, sure. But I mean, you have to ask according to God's will. But if you pray and ask for things according to God's will, then he'll answer those prayers. You can't just pray for anything, but it's got to be according to God's will. And Doug says, or Bob says, is that right? Hmm. I think I should, should try that. But, you know, I'm just not sure about this, Doug. And Doug said, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's make a little wager here. He said, Bob... If you will pray for something every single day for six months, and at the end of that six months, nothing happens, then I'm going to give you $1,000. It's a pretty good bet, isn't it? But Doug said, if something happens, you got to give me $1,000, uh, but you can't miss. You have to pray for this every single day for six months. So what are you going to pray for? And Bob says, well, I think I'll pray for Africa. And Doug said, well, Africa's kind of a big continent. Do you want to be a little bit more specific so that you know when God has answered your prayer? And Bob says, okay, I'll pray for Kenya. That's it. I'll pray for Kenya. And Doug says, well, you just go and do that. So he started praying for Kenya every single day. And a long time passed and nothing happened. Until one day, Bob found himself at a business luncheon, and because he lived in the Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, there happened to be a few dignitaries there, along with some of the businessmen and politicians uh, at this particular luncheon. And there was a woman there at the luncheon that Bob hit it off with, and guess where she was from? 
<laughs> Kenya. Bob saying, oh, no, <laughs> I could lose a thousand bucks. But he was really moved by what she did uh, for, for her career. She worked and ran an orphanage in the country of Kenya, uh, in Kenya. And Bob was so moved by it that this woman asked Bob to fly over and see the orphanage. So he did so. He flew over. Uh, he saw that this was the largest orphanage in all of Kenya, and he was moved by the medical needs of the kids there. So when Bob got back home, because he was an insurance guy, he knew how many medical supplies that the pharmaceutical companies would throw away at the end of every year. So what he did is he sat down and he wrote letters to all these pharmaceutical companies asking them to donate uh, the, the supplies that they would have thrown away to these orphan children in Kenya. And to Bob's surprise, these pharmaceutical companies donated over a million dollars worth of medical supplies to these children in Kenya. And Bob was so excited to go back over and take all these supplies back to the orphanage. And he got there and they had a big party to celebrate uh, these great donations and all that those kids were going to receive because of, uh, you know, the, the, the work of Bob and these pharmaceutical companies. And the president of Kenya happened to be there at that party. And as he and Bob got to talking, they really hit it off. So this president of Kenya takes Bob on a tour of the capital city there. And as they're driving around, uh, Bob notices this strange-looking building. And he asked the president, well, what's that building over there? And the president of Kenya said, well, that is a prison for political prisoners. And Bob just kind of said nonchalantly, well, I think you should let them go. <laughs> and they continued their tour, and uh, Bob completed his visit there, and he flew back home to the United States. And when he got home... He gets this phone call from the United States State Department. And the guy on the other end of the line said, uh, hey, Bob, have you recently visited Kenya and spoken to the president of Kenya? And Bob said, well, yeah, I have. And he goes, the voice on the other end of the phone said, well, did you talk about political prisoners? And Bob said, well, yeah, we did. And he said, well, what did you say? And Bob said, well, I told him he should let him go. And the guy on the end of the phone said, Bob, we've been trying for years to get those political prisoners released, and now they've been set free. Needless to say, Bob lost a thousand bucks in a bet. <laughs> but he gained something far more valuable, didn't he? An answer, a breakthrough in prayer. And you know, when you start knocking with chutzpah, it will lead you through some doors. You knock on the door, you'll have to walk through a door. And Bob had to be willing to write letters to pharmaceutical companies. Bob had to be willing to walk through the door of an airplane to take him on an international flight to go and visit this orphanage in Kenya. But that's the kind of chutzpah it takes if we're going to see these breakthroughs. And look, what some of you are going to find is that for you to experience breakthrough, if you start knocking on doors in prayer, it may lead you through the door of a Peel the Onion course that we offer here at the church where you deal with the junk in your heart. And we're going to have another round of that coming up uh, later on 
in the year. For others of you, it's going to be going through the door of the cafe to go through growth track this afternoon. For others, it may be going through a door of a tribe to get connected to other people who can pray with you and help you grow spiritually in your life. For others, it's going to be going through the door of a Christian counselor to repair your marriage or going through the door of a financial advisor that can help get your finances under control, get out of consumer debt, and save for your future. There are all kinds of doors that God is leading you and I through as we knock with chutzpah. But why is it that so many people just quit? I've been tempted to just quit from time to time. I've met and talked with many people who try and walk with God. They start knocking on doors and prayers, but they just eventually wear out and stop. And I believe one of the many reasons that people quit is because of the strong man's strongholds. The strong man's stronghold. In the New Testament stories, the strong man is the devil that's seeking to discourage us. And he's created what's called strongholds to keep us discouraged, you see? So one example that I want to show you of a stronghold is the Berlin Wall. It was a stronghold, heavily guarded by East German soldiers. It was a barrier both physically and ideologically that divided East and West Germany. Um, the government announced in November of 89, though, that all of East German, Germany could visit West Germany and West Berlin. And so crowds, some of you who were alive during that time, remember the crowds that stormed the wall that um, crossed over into West Germany for the very first time. It was a celebratory atmosphere. Um, and over the next few weeks, the euphoric people uh, who wanted souvenirs would chisel out parts of that wall to take it as a memory. The fall of the Berlin Wall paved the way for German reunification. And I remember watching it on TV and it was just unbelievable because the German people never thought that wall was gonna come down. And many of them, that wall had been up their entire existence. And that is very similar to some of the spiritual strongholds that you and I are dealing with. Let me show you a definition of a spiritual stronghold. It's mental and emotional walls built one brick at a time. And we build these emotional and spiritual walls when we give in to one of two things, uh, divisions and addictions. So when we give in to divisive talk that divide people, relationships, friendships, family members, divide marriages, divide churches, it puts another brick on a stronghold for the strong man. And addictions do the same thing. I mean, I could go down a long list of addictions that you and I are, you know, people in our church are dealing with right now. So for some people, it may be shopaholism where you're buying stuff that you really don't need. And every time you buy something you don't need and go into more debt with money that you don't have, you're putting another brick on a stronghold where the enemy will keep you bound. For other people, it's codependence. Every time you enable that person that you love that's in your life in their addiction and don't force them to experience the consequences of their actions, you're putting another brick on a stronghold that not only enslaves you, but it enslaves that other person that's in your life that you need to create those boundaries with. These are strongholds, and what the enemy uh, will do is he'll continually try and discourage you. Now, I, I wanted to show you this, uh, this text from Luke chapter eleven twenty one, and it tells us how we can think about 
strongholds, it says, for when Satan, who's the strong man, remember, who is completely armed, guards his palace, it's safe until someone who is stronger attacks and overpower him. Now, who's the person that, who's the one that's stronger than the strong man? Well, you know, Jesus is most of the time the right answer, right? It's the Holy Spirit of God, the presence of God. And you know where the Holy Spirit lives? In you, in me, when we've become children of God. And so we have the authority to bring down the strong man and his strongholds. Look at the rest of the text. He says, uh, until someone who is stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. And what you and I need to understand is, is that you have the authority to speak prophetically into a situation in your life or in the life of someone else. You speak prophetically truth from the scriptures. You pray prophetically that freedom is going to happen, that strongholds are coming down. Now, here's how we do this. Some of you remember this text we dealt with last week at 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5, and it talks to us about strong men, uh, uh, strongholds. It says, we use God's mighty weapons, not merely worldly weapons, so we're not fighting with worldly weapons, you know, with guns and knives and that type of thing, uh, but we're using these weapons to knock down the devil's strongholds. With these weapons, we break down every proud argument that keeps people from knowing God. And with these weapons, we conquer their rebellious ideas and we teach them to obey Christ. Now, remember the Berlin Wall I was talking about? The Berlin Wall came down not because of bulldozers or worldly weapons, but it came down because of ideas. And you can see this video on screen that many of you remember seeing on television when the wall went down. These people from East Germany, for the first time, they're able to go and see friends and loved ones that they missed, that they'd not seen in 20 years, some of them. They're celebrating their experience, this euphoria, and that's what you're going to experience when you learn to prophetically speak truth into your situation and the lives of others so that these walls come down, walls of relationships that we thought would be there our entire lives and would never break down, but they're celebrating and partying, and that's what we're going to be if we continue to pray with chutzpah and break down the strongholds that are in our lives. The wall eventually fell in Germany, and that's what will happen with us. People are driving their cars over into West Germany for the very first time. It was an amazing day. Now, the BBC did this story on the Berlin Wall. It's called, Did a Prayer Meeting Really Bring Down the Berlin Wall and End the Cold War? And in this article, the story that the BBC did, uh, they talk about this pastor, Nicholas Fuhrer, who began organizing prayers for peace every Monday evening beginning in 1982. In 85, Pastor Fuhrer put an open-to-all sign outside the church. That's a great idea, by the way. Such a gesture was loaded with symbolism as the church provided the only space in East Germany where people could talk about things that could not be discussed in public. Meetings were open to everyone, young people, Christians, and atheists all sought refuge there. Attendances soared as word of the peace prayers spread. Though threatened with violence from the government, their prayer movement grew from a handful to up to over 8,000 people crowding into the St. Nicholas Church, which eventually led to over 300,000 people gathering all over Germany. And officials 
We're going to use brute force to stamp out this prayer movement. But for some reason, they didn't. And look at what the East German officials said. They would later say they were ready for anything except for candles and prayer. In fact, one German historian, Jens Schoen, believes that the importance of the prayer meetings cannot be overestimated. So prayer literally brought down the Berlin Wall, a literal and physical stronghold. And look, if you and I will continue to pray, we can bring down strongholds as well. But strongholds often take way more than 21 days. It took 28 years for that Berlin Wall to come down, but eventually it did. And that's the same thing that's going to happen in my life and yours if we continue to pray with what? Chutzpah. Right on. Let's continue to pray with chutzpah. Now, here's what the strong man does. He lies to you, and he tells you lies about two people. He tells you lies about you, and he tells you lies about God and God's heart for you. So here's what he's going to tell you about you. He's going to say, look, you've tried all this time, and look at your track record. Look at how many times you've screwed up. Look at how many times you've fallen off the wagon. Look at all the times you've failed. Do you really think you're ever going to change? Anybody besides me ever hear those kinds of thoughts? And then he'll try and tell you lies about God's heart for you. And he'll say things like, you know, you've been praying all this time for this and you've been hoping. And what kind of a God wouldn't just immediately answer your prayer if he's even there? And if he is there, why would he care about someone as small and insignificant as you? He's got a universe to run. So there's no way he's listening to you. Anybody besides me ever think those thoughts? Those are the thoughts of the strong man. But we see the truth of God's heart for us in Luke chapter 9. Look at verses 11 through 13. It says, you fathers, those of you that are fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So look, when God says he's going to give you a fish, you're going to get something good. He's not going to give you a snake. Remember last Sunday, I told you the story of my redneck friend that was uh, a guy filled with chuspah who was willing to walk out into the water to kill these snakes that were eating the fish on our fishing stringer. That's the kind of chutzpah it takes in prayer for you and I to see a stronghold come down. We have to continue to pray with chutzpah. And, you know, Jesus talks about this because everywhere there's a door to a new place, a new adventure in life, a new place spiritually, a relationship with God, you'll find a war near the door. There is always spiritual battle taking place for you to level up to come to the next place in your spiritual journey. And that's very significant for those of you that are what we call our spiritual investigators. You're trying to figure out if God is for real. You're trying to figure out if you can have a relationship with God. And what Jesus says in this one passage is that he says, my sheep, they hear my voice. And what's happening is, is that some of you are being adopted to become a sheep of Jesus into his family. 
He's been moving and working the circumstances of your life in order for you to begin a relationship with him by simply believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And we're going to keep that in mind as we do some door knocking here in just a minute. But before we do, let me show you John 10, 9. Jesus says, yes, I am the gate. So it's like Jesus saying, I'm a door, a doorway. And he says, those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. You see his heart for you? You thought he was in heaven with a hammer ready to smack you. He's a good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. And his love is so intense for you that he was willing to sacrifice his own life to die on the cross in order to pay the penalty for your sin. And what he does is it creates a window of opportunity by which you can come in through the door. And Jesus is the door. And oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes what I've seen people experience is that when the good shepherd is calling your name, drawing you to himself, drawing you to walk through the door, it's like your heart starts pumping like you just drank an espresso, you know, and chased it with a Red Bull or something like that. And you know something's going on and you don't fully understand it. You're like, I have no idea what's happening to me right now, but I'm being drawn by something loving and very good. It's the presence of the Father, the Holy Spirit of God, drawing you to Jesus. And we often had these moments of prayer at the front here. But today we're going to do our prayer moment a little bit different. Because some of us, 21 days was not enough. And we're going to have to ratchet things up a notch to pray with chutzpah and literally knock on doors. So I'm going to be inviting you when we stand up to worship, if you're comfortable to do so, to literally stand up, walk down and knock on one of these doors on either side of the stage. If you're in the video cafe, we set up a door in there as well. If you're at home, just knock on any random door. You might wake someone up. Who knows what will happen there? But the reason I'm asking you to do that today, I know it's going to be a little bit harder and uh, the rows may be somewhat crowded and you may have to step over people. Excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, pardon me, whatever, and get over them. But it's going to take more chutzpah and it should be that way. If you can't come and knock on a door as an act of faith that you're saying, God, I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep seeking you. If you can't do that in front of a room filled with people, the majority of whom are Christ followers and encouraging you to grow spiritually, how are you ever going to do it out in the world anywhere? And so here in just a minute, if you have the chutzpah to do it, I want to invite you to come and literally knock and I'm going to be the first one because of what I told you earlier, there's something that I'm praying for and it's been over a year and I hadn't seen an answer, but I don't care if it takes 21 days, 21 months or 21 years, I am gonna keep on seeking. I'm gonna keep on asking. I'm gonna keep on knocking. God, I don't care if you put the kids to bed. I'm gonna keep on knocking until you answer this door. So would you stand with me? And as you're compelled to do so, come and let's knock on some doors and ask God for the things that are on our hearts. Father, we thank you for the waiting time because even though we don't fully understand why you haven't answered by now, we know that you're doing something good in our hearts and in our souls during the waiting period. And Lord, as I watched our people 
there are times where it's like my heart was breaking because I know that what people were bringing to these doors to you are significant issues in our lives. And if I feel that way about our people, I'm just their pastor, but you're their good shepherd. You're their God. And you're the good father. So if I can feel that way, how much more is your heart breaking and your arms open to your kids here that are running to you that need your embrace and your presence? And Lord, some would come to the doors just with a barely enough strength to knock and others would come beating it like a war drum. It's because we want one thing and one thing only and it is you, more and more of you. And Father, I know that some were coming because they're trying to figure out if you're even there. And by your providence today, you brought someone here to meet you. So as we continue in prayer, if you have been drawn to a relationship with God through Jesus Christ today, I want you to just talk to him. Perhaps it's the first time in your life that you've said a prayer to God. Just say in your own heart, just between you and God, God, I know I've sinned. I've screwed up. I know. But right now, in these moments, I choose to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And God, I welcome you into my life. If you just prayed that and you'd like me to know about it and you're here in the theater, just raise a hand real quick. Let me know. Bunches of us all over the room. Well, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you that you have been the one knocking on hearts today, Lord. And for these other requests that we've offered to you, we trust them into your hands. We're out of control now and acknowledging your control of our situations. So we just lift these requests to you the best we know how and trust you with them. And we pray all these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.